0: I love just getting having those times just to be able to learn a little bit about our people even on a deeper level. You know, it's just so cool. Everybody, uh huh. You'll be next. So, <laughs> hey, us <let's, laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, Carrie. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And let's pray. And this is jump. This is jumping the word a little bit. Uh, I, you'll be amazed because uh, what you shared sir, is actually what seems to be the text. So, praise the Lord. And let's pray. Dear Jesus, um, thank you that you are so sovereign in that and that you're, you just orchestrate and hook things up and got songs and all this stuff for your glory. So, so, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, would you allow me and everyone here not to miss what it seems like you are trying to scream at us right now? Holy God, I know we've been sitting here a little bit. I pray you would, you would re-energize us. Just give us stamina, the Holy Spirit, to please Jesus, to edify our Savior, Lord, we pray that you would do that. Um, speak, uh, speak through me, Lord, by your grace. Um, allow your word to be clear and uh, for us to enjoy uh, the beauty of truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, good. Yeah, that was just a very encouraging. Hey guys, um, if you are new, uh, we are we have been going through the book of Genesis for quite some time now. We are in Genesis chapter 35. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We will hook you up. We will have some verses on the screen, but just in case you think I made some stuff up, we try try to give you Bibles and, and and make sure you can validate the word. Um, if you turn your programs on the backside. You can write down notes. And so please feel free to do that. And also, if you are new to Mac app, um, if you're a Mac app, I want to remind you that you can um, ask questions. Uh, we just ask that the questions be uh, edifying to the body here. Um, or if you can just come up afterwards and we can chat and things of that sort. But I just wanna give you that freedom that that's not a faux pas at all, okay guys? Um, You have come, uh, we we had a little break for Christmas, uh, enjoying Advent, enjoying remembering uh, the reality of the incarnation and what that means. Uh, We had some vision time, hopefully you were encouraged. And uh, we'll be spending time doing elder board stuff and all that. So uh, we've got a lot of cool things ahead. I'm, I'm really hopeful and excited about what the Lord is doing in our local body. Praise the Lord! Um, right now uh, we are in Genesis 35, and what I want to do—you've—you're you on, on a moving train right now, if you're new. So um, I just ask that you would actually go online maybe and and listen to all 30-something messages in two days, and then um, it'll get you back up to speed if you haven't gone through Genesis. <laughs> But if not, hopefully hopefully you'll still feel like that you, you're going to get caught up and that you see where we're going and where, where um, God is heading in the text. Real quick, though, what I want to do just to help you out a little bit, just to give us a um, brief overview, it's going to be really brief. Uh, this is basically what I would propose to you if you're going to dissect the book as a whole. Um, it seems that this, this makes uh, some sense. Uh, we would propose that as you, as you enter into Genesis, um, you begin with, Uh, The reality of God is, and then the reality of Him, what He does, He creates out of abundance. He creates us because um, He's awesome like that, and He didn't need anything, but He decided, you know what, I just want people to be blessed with how cool I am. And so He wanted to bless other people. It wasn't that He needed to bless people, or He felt like He wasn't blessing people enough or creation enough. He just said, I'm going to create. And what He does, He creates us with value, purpose, and worth. You know, we talk a lot about that. but what happens is then we, we fall into sin. Why? Because we have the audacity to think we can be our own guys and do our own thing, right? Key. We just think about our own lives. And so you have creation, the fall of man. Uh, what God does by His grace, and been, I propose to you, this is what's happening all throughout the Bible, is you see you know, creation happen, then you see the fall, and then what you begin to see is decreation. And what God is trying to show us is how, um, left unto ourselves as humans, we begin to destroy and kill ourselves, and that men are evil, and all that we want to do is evil. All the time okay and so that's basically what's going on with the whole aspect of the flood is that evil continually increasingly gets gets more evil because we're evil people is evil not out here and being done to us and now because that thing happened to me now i'm evil no you you're evil and that thing just helps you be more evil okay that's the whole tenor of the scriptures you messed up the, the whole bible is about a good god and bad people Okay? And so what God does, he says, you're foul, you're horrible, you're evil, I can't believe you're doing all these things. I've been trying to bless you. I'm mad. I'm going to kill all y'all. So that's what the flood is. I know you think the flood is with the little giraffe out the window, you know, in a boat and stuff in the night. But the flood is actually about God destroying evil people and saying that I am perfect and just and holy and that I take holiness seriously and I take sin seriously and it will be judged um, he does that, but he's also gracious. God is gracious, could have destroyed all of man, and it went on about his business with the Trinity, frolicking through the hills, but they didn't do that. They said, what we'll do is we'll save a remnant, and then we'll continue to see recreation happen. We'll make more people. And all this is supposed to point to our beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ, which we'll get to in a moment. If the flood happens, God allows Noah to bring up some other um, other people, we got the dispersion. Men um, become evil again. We're just as evil this time. We're going to build our own guys. we build this huge tower. God says, you're crazy. I'm going to go ahead and disperse you guys because look how evil you are. If I let you keep doing this, you're trying, you know, off me one day while I'm eating my breakfast. So I'm going to disperse you guys so you can't try to kill even God. And so he continues on. Uh, What happens is he has this general history. That's sort of like general man. Uh, This is what's happening in in sort of general history. And then God says, what I want to do, this is general redemptive history, but I want to on a beeline into specific history, specifically looking at a family of how I'm going to bring this redemption thing about. And that's what's actually happening between chapters 12 and 50, is God begins to beeline into a specific family of patriarchal history. And it starts with our boy Abe. Okay, Abraham and Lot. And I would say you can just uh, basically see it in these character traits. You have Abraham a lot uh, where men are. You know, Abraham does all kind of crazy things, but he's chosen by God. Again, we begin to see God's grace. If you're new here, you've heard that word a few times. Grace is a merited favor. Something you can't deserve is something God gives you because he's awesome. And that's what he does to Abraham. He says, I'm going to give you something I'm going to give you the gift of me, not because you deserve it, but because I'm good. Um, and that's basically the story of Christianity, and that's what God wants to do to you right now if you're not a believer. Um, it says Abraham and Lot, and then what you have is uh, you have this issue of lineage. Then Isaac, you have Abraham, these guys, they have Isaac and Ishmael. You see this kind of battle between these guys. Uh, and you have Jacob and Esau, and then we're going to get in the next couple of weeks, well, for a while, actually, Joseph and his brethren. Right now we're in number three. We're at um, at the ending stages of Jacob and, and the whole Esau piece. And let me just go ahead and beeline to that a little more. Uh, sorry guys, I absolutely hate this thing. Okay, so uh, every week they yeah. So uh, <laughs> li- so basically we go into we go into the lineage piece. Uh, what you have with Jacob, we're gonna focus in on Jacob. So Abraham has Isaac and Ishmael these guys begin to uh, they have beef. Isaac actually is the chosen one again, showing God's grace. Um, Isaac has uh, with his with his bride, he has Jacob. And then Jacob is uh, sort of a beeline to this guy and to see what's going on in his life. Well, Jacob is kind of a crazy guy. He's a trickster. Uh, he tricks his brother Esau. His mom's a, a nutball, too. Right. So Jacob and, uh, and his mom, they go around conniving and, and, and figuring out ways to get the birthright and all this stuff. And then what happens is uh, Jacob ends up with actually four wives. He has 11 boys and one daughter. Um, I mean, it's crazy. And the reality, now, I know you might be thinking, well, okay, I can have four wives. It's in the Bible. No, don't do that. You can't. Just because everything's in the Bible, don't mean you do it. Um, so you have, he, he, he's, he's going, he has all these wives. And then, and then what happens is he begins to run because he tricks Esau, Jacob tricks Esau, and gets his birth right. He runs away to this guy Laban, his uncle. And basically, uh, his uncle tricks him, has some, um, works about 20 years of hard labor, um, in order to, for him to marry his daughters, okay? And so Jacob does all that. But eventually, uh, Jacob then tricks Laban uh, by, by this whole speckled sheep business. It blooms, and he's like a millionaire because of the speckled sheep. Uh, and so he tricks Laban, and then uh, he finally stands up to Laban toward the middle of the passage uh, and says, Laban, you've been tricking me all this time, and he sort of gets some guts. And then as you continue on in the story, um, this Jacob guy, by God's grace, actually begins to encounter the Lord. He wrestles with the Lord, and um, he, he gets this... This is a spiritual renewal piece. He's now experiencing the Lord again. You'll see that in the scriptures. And then God says, OK, I want you to go to Bethel. Uh, he encounters his brother Esau, who he thinks is going to kill him. But Esau does not kill him because God, again, is gracious. And he doesn't allow Esau to kill him. Esau is all happy to see him. He decides, hey, I like you, Esau. I'm glad we've mended our relationship, but I'm going to go off to Succoth. And I didn't make that. That's actually the word was Succoth. And he goes off to Succoth. Um, but I propose to you uh, God told him to go to Bethel. So you guys know what happened. He goes to Succoth. All kind of drama happened with the Shechemites. Uh, his daughter gets raped. Okay. Then his two sons kill at least a couple hundred men and circumcise a couple hundred men at least. Um, and so there's just all kind of murdering going on. There's sexual kind of perversion. I mean, it's just crazy. So this is the man's life that we have beelined on who's supposed to bring in the patriarchal history. Amen, right? Gives me hope in my life. All right? You know what I'm saying? Hey, come on, man. He, he, look what he did, Jesus. Hey, J. Mack, I thought you would like this, brother. This is a personal thing. He makes fun of me because I drink out of my little daughter's cup. All right. So what we're going to do, guys, so, so that's where we are, okay? So we're going to jump right in the text. So if you open up your Bibles, we in G- Genesis 35, chapter 1. I know that was a lot of information, guys. I mean give a brother a break. I try to do 35 chapters in five minutes. So okay. But but hopefully if you go to those 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 teachings and le- listen to them over and over again, turn up your Netflix and listen to the Bible teachings, you be tight. Alright? So here we're starting in verse one, okay? You ready guys? Alright, it says so here's where we are now. We just had that whole scenario that, that really sat in there. I don't want to speak past that. Uh, you had this whole situation, um, there's Uh, His daughter gets raped, the brothers kill these guys, and it ends off like, what do you want me to do? They treated my sister like a prostitute, right? That's where we ended, okay? Very somber move. Starts back into this journey right here. Always remember, as you're reading the Bible, as much as you can, it's a historical book, these things happen. And as much as you can, try to put yourself there, just like, when you're reading, like, just try to, like, you know, just think about you being there, OK, so it says, then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar to God uh, there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Now, just real quick, I just want to just, just just as far as this, this training, I want to just talk real quick about this piece. Now, when you hear God always speaks, you have you have different backgrounds that people come from. OK, you have your charismatic background where God always speaks. OK. You know, some of you guys come from there where God tells you everything, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, do I make a right on red right now, Jesus? Yes. Okay. Make a right on red. You know, like God tells you everything, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm at Trader Joe's. Should I buy the grape juice or the, you know, like. And I'm just keeping it real. And I talk to people where the Lord tells you everything, okay? I propose to you. I think, well, I want to propose to you. I know that's not happening because the Bible's already told on you. But I think the more sad reality is that what you're doing is you're catechizing people and you're teaching people a warped spirituality. And and so I'm more concerned. If you want to hear God everywhere, you can do that in your closet. But, But as you're modeling Christianity to people, just know that you're teaching people what does it mean to be a Christian based on how you act. So they're going to. So and what and what usually happens is sad reality with this with this piece is that when you do that, people think, okay, so that's what it means to be spiritual and a real good Christian. So I guess I'll so I'll play the lingo too, and then we find ourselves in some really dark holes because we begin to play the Christian game versus having to really wrestle with what does it mean to be a man or woman of faith. Okay, the flaw in that when God always speaks to you is there's usually no testing of history, right? Biblical history is what we have here. So because I'm proposing to you, there's no way you can do that in test biblical history because God, when he speaks, is very intentional. And usually it, ch- it usually changes the spectrum of a redemptive history or it changes life. OK, God doesn't just say, you know, turn it to TNT, Barkley speaking. You know what I'm saying? Like, that ain't what he's doing. It's usually something serious that's going to actually affect your life. OK, so. I propose also uh, there's no testing of spirits. If God is saying everything to you every time I talk to people, and I'm just being really clear here because I want us to draw some lines in the sand of the body. I'm okay if you disagree, but please disagree theologically, okay? And just not act like we all saying the same thing, because if you're saying God's speaking to you all the time, I want to tell you I think you're wrong. Okay? Not to start a fight, but this is getting get some real theology. You understand where we are, okay, guys? There's no testing of spirits, because Usually, when people say that, what they're really saying is, whatever I feel, whatever I hear, I think it's the Lord. Well, here's a, here's a key indicator why that's really flawed is because the Bible says that the human heart is deceitful and horrible. So you should be very nervous if you think every time you feel something is from the Lord, because you're crazy. Because, no, I'm saying not you're crazy because you said that, but you are a crazy person. We're all nuts. We're all nutballs and we're trusting Christ. Okay? And if you don't think that's the case, you think too much of yourself. Because I'm telling you, this is what the Bible's telling you. That's how you see good patriarchs killing each other, sleeping with their mama, and all kind of crazy stuff. God is saying, y'all crazy, you need Christ. Okay? And then you have the issue of the flesh. Like, our flesh is messed up. Okay? So, that's a charismatic background. But you also have a fundamental background where God doesn't speak at all. Well, I disagree with that. I would say the flaw is that he is not forbidding in scriptures from speaking. It seems to me, in the scriptures, God does what he wants when he wants to do it. Okay, so I, I, I don't sleep, I can't sleep well at night believing any one of those. Our proposed, I think, a more Bible-centered approach is, God speaks, but it seems to be irregular in Scripture. So when God, and I'm talking audible, when God says something. I'm not talking about when you, you know you're doing something, you're, you're driving, all of a sudden you feel this pressure, you need to go to the hospital, visit a friend. I think that's, that may be the Holy Spirit. That may be the Holy Spirit. But God didn't speak to you. Okay, you felt something. (laughs) So so I'm just saying, tell the testimony clearly. Don't add, live for God and help Jesus out. You don't have to. All right, so God speaks, but it could be a regular um, angel dream vision, or he speaks out loud. We need to test the spirits, making sure it's from the Lord. And usually it's something that will shape your future. Usually it's something really important. OK, so I'm just starting off here because it says, you know, God spoke to him and he's not using it like us, the 21st century Christians, where we say that and it was just like, you know, a little burp or something. No, like, like God, he was like, Jacob, you know what I'm saying? OK, so oh, I'm sorry, the other piece of that I want you to get here, guys, is notice. Notice what he says here. He tells them that he's supposed to go up to Bethel and, uh, what verse? That was in, in 31 verse 13. He was supposed to go up to Bethel. Okay? And so he never did that. And so God tells him, hey, you need to, you need to go up to Bethel where, where I appear to you. And it's almost like God, you know, you, remember, we just left a very sad moment. We just left a very crazy moment. Daughter getting raped, him being passive, all kind of stuff. And it's almost like God is like, I mean, you need to remember your testimony. You need to go back. You need to, you need to remember, like, go, I want you to go back to where I've called you. Remember where I wanted you to go. I need you to get back there. You need to remember what you're supposed to be about. You need to remember your destiny. Continue on here. We'll talk back about that in a moment. Okay, guys. He says in verse two, So Jacob said to his household and to all who are with him, He says, get rid of the foreign gods uh, you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Look at that. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an order to God uh, who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. I mean, I love this. So, so notice that he tells him, go back um, to where you were when you were fleeing your brother. Jacob goes in and, be, and just cleans house. So but God never said, go and get rid of all your idols and, you know, put hands down all these things and worship me. God told him to go back to Bethel. And it seems that Jacob's inference was like, okay, I need to clean house. Cause, Cause God never said any of that. There's no there's no recording that God told him to do any of this. It's almost like I, I, we've seen this. I mean, have you ever seen that? You see a guy um, come. I've seen these people come here and. They're here to talk or something or, or, you know, it'd be like New Year's. And and I wonder how many Christians or believers, you know, begin to rededicate their life after New Year's or Christmas, after they've been wrestling with the incarnation or been at some good Bible churches, you know, or, or beginning to meet some friends who are proclaiming the gospel and they go in a house and they just clean house. Right. They they come home and and they're just like, look, honey, I mean, you can imagine this, right? "Um, Sweetie. Hey, we're all going to church. You know, we got 10 kids. We're all going to church. And he just starts, he just goes to each room and starts cleaning the house. Right. He's like, now, John, look, hey, I, I know I've been a passive dad. Hey, I want you to put the porn down, okay? I want you to hide the, yeah, I want you to burn the magazines. Look, I know you got them. I've seen you watching them. I've been looking at them. Look, you need to put the porn down. You Look, I want you to, I want you. we're going to confess. We're going to church. You know, he goes to the other room. He's like, hey, he tells his daughter, look. You're dressing them modestly like I can see your breasts, like you're younger, you're 14 years old, you need to take off those nasty underwear, you need to get right, you need to, I mean, he's, we're going to go to church, okay, we're going to go to church. He goes around our house, and he just goes to everybody, he says, listen, he tells his, his oldest son, listen, I want you, you quit stealing electricity from people, I want you to stop that, I know you've been doing it, I see, I see the wires hanging from my backyard, I want you to cut it out, we can pay our own bills, I want you to go get a job, okay, you got three months, or you're going to get out of my house, he says, clean the house. You know what I'm saying? He goes, there, everybody says, look, I know you've been cheating on your taxes. I haven't seen you do taxes in three years. I know you haven't, you got four kids. I ain't see you pay no money to any of these girls. I want you to, I want you to take care of your kids. I want you to get right. And he goes around, he just cleans house. He goes around, he tells all these individuals, what's your idol? And I want you to get rid of it. This is what he does. What's your idol? What do you struggle with? I know you. You know you go steal the sun. I know you're greedy. I know you're all about money. I know you've been stealing money from me. I know you've been stealing money from other people. I know you've been working all these jobs. I haven't seen you read your Bible at all. Hey, look, we're gonna put all that down. We're gonna get you one job, okay? And we're gonna go to church. We're gonna we're gonna be a family again. We're gonna eat dinner again, okay? I know you. Hey, I see how you've been looking at that guy. I know you've been unfaithful. I see how you've been looking at that girl. I know you've been unfaithful. I want you to repent. I want you to stop that. We're gonna get you some we're get you marital counseling, and we're gonna get right, okay? We're gonna go to church. He cleans house. I see you love all these cars. I see you love all this stuff. I see you, all, you love material possessions. I want you to get rid of all this stuff. I see you listen to all this crazy hip-hop, all this, all this nasty stuff. I want you to get rid of those CDs, okay? It's not doing anything for your mind. I know you say it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you put in your mind, but you, know, you haven't done anything. You're sitting around playing Xbox all day, smoking weed. I know you're crazy. Look, put the weed down. Put the Xbox down. Sell the Xbox. We're going to get busy. He cleans house. You see what he does? Put up the foreign guys. Look what he says. Three imperatives, family. Imperatives are commands. He gives three imperatives. He says, "Toto's to his household and all who are with him. Get rid of the foreign guys you have with you. Purify yourselves. Change your clothes. Okay? That's like a total makeover. You ain't playing around. You stop sleeping with your boyfriend. Okay? I want you to, you, you, you've been with him 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, get rid of them. We're cleaning the house. We're going to church. That's what he does. Let's go to Bethel, where I building an altar to God. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to all come together now. Let's go, guys. I know you put all that stuff down. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's worship the Lord. He answered me in the day of my distress. I've seen him move. I've seen him work in my life. So they gave Jacob all foreign guys they had and the rings in their ears. I don't understand the rings in the ears piece. Kind of bizarre. I was looking that up in Joshua on 24. Um, I, wonder, I wonder if this whole, I'm sorry, in Exodus 32 and Judges 8. I wonder if the Rings piece was this this issue of like, hey, these are the very things that they used to build the gods. You know, the golden calves, they would melt down all the different metals they had. And I wonder if the, the author is trying to give you a sense of like, not only do I want you to bury those things that you're worshiping, I want you to get rid of the things that you could build again to worship those things that you shouldn't be worshiping. You see what I'm saying? So he ain't just asking you to stop listening to that nasty stuff. He's asking you to destroy the CD. See what I'm saying? He's not asking you to stop looking at porn or whatever you're doing it on on Netflix. He's asking you to stop Netflix. Whatever it is. Now, you know, I'm gonna get of you guys to email me. What about grace? And why are you asking all these works? And look, I'm just saying that there seems to be at some level God is saying there's an urgency of cleaning ourselves, of purifying ourselves, of saying, I'm going to stop this stuff today. Now. No three-week time period. We're going to get right today. I'm going to love my wife today. I'm going to take steps today to to talk to her in a way that's honoring. I'm going to take steps today to make sure that I'm sexually active with my bride, to make sure I'm sexually active with my husband. I'm going to take steps today to quit looking at other women. I'm going to take steps today to not be engaged and connecting with a man who doesn't love Jesus. I'm going to stop smoking weed. I'm going to stop being an alcoholic. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to quit being lazy in my community. He says, and it they, and they, they rings in their ears, and Jacob buries them under the oak at Shechem. Bury the stuff. Bury it, right? Sense of like, it's dead. Bury it. Then they set out, and the tear of God fell on the towns and all of them, so that no one pursued them. And there's many different reasons why, why that's the case. I just think the Lord was gracious there for the sake of time and said, I'm going to protect you. You do what I asked you to do. Continues on, family. <clears throat> Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel, right? the God, the God of this house. Because it was there that God revealed himself when he was fleeing from his brother. Now, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died and was buried under the oak below Bethel. So it was named Alan Bacuth. Um Basically, what's going on here, and this is kind of weird, the whole Deborah nurse thing. Uh, we don't have the time to get deeply into it. But, but, but the author is trying to help us see something that that sin matters. And it seems like that Jacob never got a chance to say bye to his mama. And that's one of the reasons why they show you Deborah, because that was his, that was her nurse, her witness or something like that. And so um, and so basically they're showing you that he was there for her. He was able to come back by that time, but he never got to say goodbye to his mom. And almost like the, the, the theologians think that it was almost to show that God was like saying, here's the penalty of your sin, Rebecca. You're not going to be able to say goodbye to your, your, your son. Almost like they wanted to remind you that he's there and he just never got to see his mom. She was dead and buried. But all that to be the case, he builds an altar. He's worshiping God. Hey, guess what? This man's an old cat. He's an old brother, right? And, he's, he's, and he's, you, you guys know his journey. And finally, he's, here he is again. He said, I'm building an altar, and I'm worshiping God. You know what I'd say? i say, better late than never. Look at him. He said, I'm, I, I know I've been crazy. I know I was working for 20 years. I know I was a hoochie. I know I was doing all this stuff, sex with all these girls. But today, I'm going to walk with the Lord, and I'm going to build my house, and I'm going to bring my family, and we're going to row. we we'll continue on. After Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. And I, I just want to, I love, if you notice in Genesis how many times he talks about blessing his people. That, that, that contrary to what the world system wants to tell you, of me is that God, he wants to bless us. He, will, he is good to us. So I love when he uses this word a lot in Genesis. And God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. And kings will come from your body. The land I gave you to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you. I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him, from him at this place where he had talked with him. Now, check out what's going on there. So you guys and we both know, as we've studied the scripture, these scriptures together, that he already named them Israel a while ago. Okay, but he's naming them Israel again. Why do you think he's doing that? I think I think I think it's evident. It's clear. He's and look what he does. He not only names him Israel, and I think the way when you're interpreting text, you can see why is even as you look at the rest of the text. He renames him again, and he reconstitute the biblical mandate to him again. Why? Have they changed? Of course not. Has he changed? Yeah. God wants to remind him, "You, my son, what you been doing." Hey, it's okay though. Get back in the game. You're still my son, okay? You haven't been acting like Israel for a while. You have been passing doing all this crazy stuff. You're still my boy, and you still have my mandate on you. Let's get down to business. Let's go. Quit, quit walling around. Going, oh my goodness, what the bad number did? No, 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 no. Believe and trust God's grace, and let's go. This is a test of encouragement, of holding true to your destiny and holding, holding, just holding tight the gospel and saying, no, I trust Christ and not in all my stuff. See, that's the thing. is like, you know, we've just been on break, right? And I've been talking to our, some of our family. And I mean, man, some of the sin that we got caught up in the last couple weeks has been crazy. Sleeping with cats. You know, we've been getting drunk. Cats don't want to get rid of, you know, men in their life. Some of us, you know, I mean, we're just doing all kinds of silly things. Some of us aren't reading our Bible, haven't read our Bible, went on vacation, you totally vacation from the Lord. You know what I'm saying? You're not, you're not, again, you're not being intimate with your brides, you're not communicating with your wives and your husbands, gossip in the church. You know what I'm saying? A Couple weeks off, we just got boofy crazy up in here. It's crazy. But it's okay. See, some of us need to realize, we need to go, okay, that's okay. Lord, I know who you called me. I know who you've made me. Let me remember that. Let me not get caught up. Let me not wallow in the things that I've done. Not, don't let me live in my past issues. Let me trust my Savior. That's the whole point of the text there. Some of us right now, you're going, man, or I did this at work, and I, man, I... And you, and you find yourself living, and you talk about depression, living in this guilt written cycle. And God is saying, snap out of it. You're new. You're my girl. You're my son. Let's go. Look what he says. He reinstitutes the mandate. I've given you the creative mandate, and hey, guess what? Your sin has not had me take it away from you. It's still there. Because I'm accomplishing it in you. God, uh, he renames Jacob for the second time. He wants you and me to remember our identity. I'm telling you, man, you talk about the biggest lie that Satan wants to fight. I mean, he wants to put in you, and and, and my young girls here, is identity. It's for you to doubt whom God has called you to be. For you to go through life and go, well, maybe, maybe that's not me. All these other people say I'm this. And he wants you to continue to know that like you are his child. That's the mandate. Continues on. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him. He had a little discussion with his Savior. Look what it says. That's right. It says, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. Right? Again. The house of God. So, so you have here, you know, we, you, we mess up. We do things. But you know what I love about The Bible, what the Bible is showing us, what I love about our body, hey, we dust ourselves off by God's grace and say, but we trust our Savior. And now we can begin. You know, we've been a crazy parent. Hey, be a good parent now. You've been an absentee dad. Be a a dad who's there now. You've been an aloof father. You've been been an aloof husband. tune with your wife. Care for your bride. Take her out. Make sure you sexually engage in her. The day is now. The day is now. You need no two-week plan. Let me no just do ten minutes a day. No, now, get right now. I'm, I don't mean to scream. Um, here is what he says here. Look what he does here. Drink offering. So he's pouring wine out, right? And I know we're in the hood, and you're thinking like the you know the St. Ives or the Old English, nah, No. all ain't like that, all right? But but it is. It does symbol celebration. And he's talking about the sense of celebration, wine, right? So this sense of he's basically celebrating the Lord. The Lord has said, You're Israel, you're still my boy. You're still my boy. And then he says, Hey, Ed, I'm giving you this mandate. I still got stuff for you to do. You're not just my boy, but you did so much stuff I can't I can't use you no more. He says, Now you're my boy, I still got the same plans for you. You still haven't messed that up. And he says, he celebrates, he pours wine. He says, That's what's up, Jesus! <laughs> right? That's what he does. And then it says, and then he pours oil, okay? And the oil is representative of anointing. I love this because I love what he does. God institutes this. He pours, he celebrates the Lord, and then he gets something that we have to get. In this body, guys, you know what I pray for? Tell them my prayer question. I should have told you this a while ago. I pray that God will use this body to touch millions, I pray that God uses use body to touch millions. I believe he can do that. But see, oil, he pours out oil because that's about the Holy Spirit. It's about the anointing. See, he's not going to do things through us because of us. But he gets it. I'm celebrating God, and I get God, God gives me this mandate, and I'm going to do it. But I've got to pour the oil out because it's only by God's grace and his power. See, arrogance what we do in Christianity, we become arrogant. Look at me. Oh, I can teach. I can sing. I can share my faith. And it becomes about us. We get bigger. We start thinking we're all that. And God is like, no, 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 no. It's about God's inner confidence. We can't do jet, but we can do anything in Christ. Anything. Do you, when you pray, do you believe that God can use this body to touch millions of people with the gospel? To provide gospel clarity and a redemptive community? And see, people just begin to realize that Jesus is worth the fight. Do you believe that? That's what he's doing there, guys. Sorry. Then they move on from Bethel. I love this. While they were still some distance from Ephraim, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. So check this out, guys. This is humbling right here. And I'm I'm a little over here. Um, It says in verse 17, and as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't be afraid for you have another son. Okay. So this is this is where this is where Ben comes in. As she breathed her last for she was dying, she named her son Benoni. But his father named him Benjamin. So, you know, what? here's a little, just a little small, beautiful way of Jacob stepping up. You know, he was a straight sucker punk and all that for for many years. But look at the brother stepping up. She's like, I'm going to name him son of my sorrow. This hurt. And I'm about to die. All right? He's son of my sorrow. And and, and Jacob said, hold up, woman. I'm the leader of this family. He says, we're going to name him son of my right hand of power. And he changes his name to Benjamin. Right? Beautiful. I'm just like, good job, Jacob. to step up a little bit and say, no, we're not going to typecast this brother. We're going to name him Son of My Right Hand. Now notice this. What's happening here, this is, this is, um, this is we're seeing sort of a changing of the guard. Are you noticing this? As we read the story in Genesis, and even as we look to 35, something's happening that's very important in this text that even Rachel mentioned. And that is the sense of, we're seeing lineage change here. Okay, don't miss this. We're seeing God is trying to set a script here. And he's basically saying, will we make it? Here's what God is saying. Will we make it? Let me show you what I mean. Look at this. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day, the pillar marks Rachel's tomb. I, I don't even have time to get into all this um, component. I just want to show you probably the main, the main piece here. It says Israel. Now, now, isn't that cool? So now he's Israel. Okay, don't miss that. Israel moved on again, all right, and pitched his tent beyond McDowell Elder. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah. And Israel heard of it. Jacob had 12 sons. Now notice this. So it gets kind of weird here, okay? Why is that here? Why, all of a sudden, you talking about Israel, we're talking about what, what Jacob's doing, his journey, and then you get all of a sudden, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah. That's a weird transition. And Israel heard of it. Well, here's what's going on here, guys. God is showing us something here. He's showing us that there is, being, there is going to be and continues to be a border leadership happening. Okay? Because you have your, you have your eldest son, when you, look at, when you look at Judeo history, you got your eldest son all right, who gets the blessing. Alright, so what happens? We have Simeon. Okay? Well, he gets disqualified. I believe in Genesis 49, you can, you, can, you can read Genesis 49, it talks about him basically not getting the blessing because he murdered all those people. Levi was the next in line. He was supposed to get the blessing. What does Levi do? He was with him, murdering all those people. Reuben, all right, he's been, a, you know, he's been a pervert from day one. This is the same dude who brought the Mandrakes to his mama. Remember that? Yeah, this Mandrake dude. All right, all right. So, so he's always been a little perverted. Okay, so now he comes in and he goes and says, "Well, guess what? Okay, my other two brothers already and disqualified themselves as leader. Maybe my daddy's getting old. Okay, maybe if I sleep with her, then I can be the new patriarch." Right. So he's trying to take over kind of a little bit. Well, guess what? It doesn't work out because him sleeping, doing incest at best, disqualifies him. So, who's going to lead the family? Who's going to lead the family? Do you see what's going on here, guys? This is serious. See, the author is trying to set something up for you and me, and he's trying to help us see God's grace, but the reality of how God uses people. And right now, you're seeing a continual void of leadership. And so the question you've got to have, the question that we have, is as, as, as Rebecca's dying and Jacob and all these guys are going to die, you've got this new leadership coming up. The question is, will they walk with God? Will they seek the Lord? He's asking that question of you and me. Don't you get it? See, this is what the Lord has for us. This is why the Bible says and James, says, your life is, is nothing but a mist. It appears for a little while and then vanishes. This is what the Bible says. And I always think about it. I notice this is corny. I think about when you boil a hot dog, you see that practically, right? Right? You boil a hot dog and you see the mist and then it's gone. And then the boil, boil a hot dog and you see what I'm talking about. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It appears and then it's gone. But see, that's what I love. A couple of things I love. I told my wife yesterday, I was listening to a, a talk, and I, I told her, I said, I'm so blessed. They said, yeah, I didn't think of this, but I want to be the one that buries you. I want to bury you. And she was like. <laughs> and my point in that is like, sweetheart, I want to be able to know that I took care of you my whole life. I want to be able to, I don't want to die and have you have to be taking care of yourself. I want to take care of you for the rest of your life. And um, I just... I look at this and I just realize like, man, I'm 35 now. I'm telling you, you think you're invincible, but you know, older guys, your life, I'm telling you, your years get quicker and things are going. I'm telling you. And all of a sudden, you got to ask, one day we will die. You will be dead. And the question is, what have you done with your life? And Satan wants to fool you and me to make us waste our life on frivolous things and not be about kingdom. And what this whole passage is about is about a changing of the guard and who are you going to give the guard to? Who are you going to give it to? That's the whole point. What are you going to do with your life? Is it going to be about your job and your security and your people and all the little things that we try to grab hold to? Or is it going to be about kingdom? Will it be about the Lord? Will you sacrificially give for Christ? Will you sacrificially serve the Lord? Will you serve the people of God? Will you make hard choices and live in hard places for God's glory alone? Those are the questions. And that's why the whole text began with the sense of God. You can't even ask that question until you stop. Put down the weed. Stop using drugs. Stop, you know, blowing all your cheese, blowing all your money. Get a real job. Take care of a woman like you're supposed to. Honor her. Care for her. Women, take, take care of your man. Respect him. Love him. Dress like you got some sense. Allow men to have some imagination sometimes. This is what he's talking about. We're going through all this time where we're just doing our own thing, and it's about us, and God is saying, your life, you will be dead." And what are you doing to make your life count? What are you doing? And we put all our focus in in just in just occupations and just building our network and our friendship. I mean it's unbelievable the time you get we spend on Facebook in all these places. And it's really about pumping ourselves up and making ourselves look better and esteeming ourselves and then creating a real fake and and just false understanding of who we are. Almost a pseudo person. I'm amazed at the time that we spend on Xbox and all these video games and you're like 30 years old. I'm like, dude, you're playing video games? He's saying, he's saying he's given us a call. He's saying he's given us a mandate. He wants us to to release, allow the, the world, and say, "I know what the world tells me. I got to focus on all these things," and it screams that to me i got to live in a secure area. i got to protect mine. i got to come to church and be parasitical, listen to somebody like me, run their mouth, make us feel good, read my Bible. Even church, you can be growing in your faith, growing in the Lord, being a conference junkie, and it's all about you. And you ain't sharing your faith, you're not engaging culture, you're not even looking at your bank account and your life and saying, how am I taking sacrificial choices for the kingdom? You're just getting smarter and being really good Christians. You got your blogs and you're doing all this crap, but what is it worth if it's not for the kingdom? That's his point. These guys are disqualified. Where's the leadership going to come? He wants the reader, he wants you to ask that question. We know the story. It's a beautiful story, though. Because in that crazy place, see, that's what's so beautiful. Before we started studying Genesis, you and me thought these men were off the chain. You thought they were perfect. You thought they were so holy. And then we start studying Genesis, and you're like, what? You kidding me? They're crazier than me. That's the point of the gospel. That in that void and vacuum, that in that scenario, you got old cats who say, I wasted a lot of my life not doing what God called me to do. Today I start doing it. Today. I make a choice today to walk with the Lord intimately. I make a choice today to spend time with my daughters and time with my sons. And I look at my life and if I've already got all kinds of money and rich, why am I still chasing more money? I'm going to stop working so much and I'm going to spend time in my community and I'm going to work and serve the poor. And I'm going to spend time building friendships and I'm going to multiply my life. That's what, that's what God is asking us to do. Not to just grow and grow our stuff and consume and consume. What does it look like to really assess our lives and say, am I wasting my life? That's the question. Is, will the lineage continue? Will it continue? No leadership. And what he does, he's trying to set you and me up to see the grace of God because he set it up for Joseph and Benjamin and these other cats. Specifically, Joseph comes out of nowhere. He comes out of nowhere. And he saves, he literally saves the remnant. Amen for the gospel. He saves the remnant. So that's what he's trying to tell you and me. Quit quit your head being down and, oh, it was me and I can't get no job. And, oh, look at, you know, I'm so depressed. I got all this money and stuff and I'm so depressed. And, oh, the white man doing this to me. Oh, man, would you just stop complaining and bringing excuses to everybody else everybody else's fault and let's get right with the Lord and let's live our lives passionately for the kingdom? Okay? The lineage does continue. <sighs> Sorry. The sons of Leah, Reuben the firstborn of Jacob, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. The sons of Rachel's maidservants, Bilhah, Dan, and Naphtali. The sons of Leah's maidservants, Zilpah, Gad, and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him at Paddan Aram. Scriptures say Jacob came home to his father Isaac and Mamre. Mamre. Near Kirith Arba, that is Hebron. where Abraham and Isaac had stayed. Isaac lived 180 years. Then he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. Old and full of years. And his sons Esau and Jacob was buried with him. Guys, we're going to spend a time of worship. And the one question I just want you to ask yourself is, is, are you doing that? Are you recognizing your past? That's Okay. Recognize your past, your journey. We all got crazy stories. But focus on future grace. Focus on the reality of what Christ has done. What he's done in you. The man that he's given you. And, and guys, let's just hold each other accountable to live a life of radical submission to the Lord. Let's, let's, let's debunk the lives of the world. Let's just debunk them. Let's just let's ask the Lord to allow us to have an accountability where we don't get so consumed with self. And it he gives us the grace to figure out that rhythm. I know it's hard. It's specifically hard in this body because we do a lot of stuff. But, guys, we've got to learn how to live a life motivated by grace here. And we've got to learn how to live a life motivated by grace passionately for the Lord. Okay, guys? Let's worship the Lord. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do t-